Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Great Tech Group. You're invited to join our conversation to model the future of construction innovation and the digital transformation adventure of this great industry. I am excited to continue our special podcast series that we recorded live from Autodesk University 2023. My guest in this conversation is Catherine Walmsley. She's a technology consultant with a passion for her work. As an industry leader, Catherine is reimagining what's possible with a connected platform. Her leadership in digital transformation has been accelerating the design to delivery process in Western Canada by working with builders using Autodesk products, connecting data from Inventor, Vault, Revit, and the Autodesk Construction Cloud, getting everyone on the same page to move forward today in a rapidly changing world of industrial automation software. With over a decade of experience in building design information management and custom engineered to order manufacturing, Catherine has played an integral part in bringing the highest ideals of automation and innovation to life. Having an eye for detail makes her a valuable expert. Collaborating in teams with a high level of technical expertise where no project is too challenging. Hope you enjoy the conversation with Catherine. All right, we are here at Autodesk University and excited to talk with Catherine. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So for the listening audience, can you give a little bit of who you are, what's your background, and why you came to AU? Yeah, well, my name is Catherine Walmsley, and I work for my own consulting firm, Walmsley Technology. And I've done everything from design, engineering, custom engineered to order with manufacturing and construction and safety, all kinds of things that fit under the AEC PDM manufacturing umbrella. A little bit of everything there. You, what's uh, what's your kind of favorite area to to dive into? Manufacturing. Ah, okay. Why is that? Because I love robotic assembly and all the challenges that come with managing the high volume of data that's required to make it work. Yeah. Nice. I I like it. What have you been noticing as construction tries to take on more manufacturing (laughs) principles and uh, there's, you know, complexities there on the construction side, but uh, what are you noticing on that trend? Uh, Two things. Obviously, first, you really want to be driving the information right from the design model today for Mm -hmm. efficiency purposes. And the other thing is that there's so much technology coming at the guys who are on site Mm -hmm. and gals that uh, it's quite the challenge for them. So a lot of onboarding and training support is required to really help facilitate. Yeah. What do you where do you think construction is in the kind of adoption curve of manufacturing principles? Maybe. Well, it depends on the company. So certainly there are some that are quite advanced and are really pushing for that. Mm -hmm. And they're using some solutions that make it easy to bring the information up on a tablet or even using like their construction hard hats now that have uh, goggles for VR and all kinds of things right built into them. So some companies, certainly they're right at the top of the list, nearing 100 percent. But most companies, I'd say, are probably a little closer between the 40 and 60 right now. Okay, interesting. Well, what do you think is the the next domino to, to fall to get them uh, from the 40 to 60 to maybe 70, 80? 
Well, it's going to be a natural progression, just as some of the older generation is aging out and the younger generation's taking over. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely about making sure that we can facilitate the wisdom to be passed from the other generation down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, how do you take that uh, generational knowledge and maybe infuse it into technology? With help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's important to be able to use the people who are wise in the organization to help fuel the knowledge. So making sure that you are picking their brains and putting that information into something that then prompts the younger user step by step. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I work with a lot of PMs who they know how to do everything top to bottom, but they're struggling to maintain consistency throughout their trainees as it's being installed in the building. Mm-hmm. So I find that the most important thing is to ensure that you have strong documentation, but also a available web-based documentation portal so mm-hmm. that people have access to that information. But it yeah. can't be just as simple as a PDF or something flat. There needs to be some interaction to it, and there needs to be a way to work through that as you're on the job site. So mm-hmm. it's step, in, it's hand in hand with what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, is it an area for AI? You know, that's been a big theme of the the conference so far. Is that an area that AI can come in and, and help to create that efficiency and streamline the process? I think on site there is a lot of data entry that's happening right now a lot of especially in the quality forms being filled out and safety forms so there's every day they're filling out the information that's required but ai is the one that's consuming it to help make meaningful analysis to determine what do you need that expert to look at yeah. you know do you have your pm running out to site a or site b which one has the higher priority i think ai is going to make us much more efficient as humans at targeting the real problems yeah, I like it. So you, you taught a class yesterday, and if I got the title right, it was How to Bridge the Gap. Which That's right. It's a, it's a great title. Thank we're, you. We're biased to <laughs> gap uh, bridges here. Uh, and so I think in the, the class you were talking about the, the modeling environment to being data-centric. Is that correct? Not only that, but being able to facilitate different learning styles and learn and technology comfort levels within okay. your organization yeah. and encouraging those people to participate, but in their own way. Not everybody is going to be an IT person, and that's sure. okay. So we just need to help them take the next step forward. Yeah, so what's the, the next step there? How do you start bridging that gap between the, the modeling environment data and the, the comfort levels then? I think that question makes more sense if you address it specifically from going on site where Mm -hmm. you're able to put a tablet in somebody's hands or even their phone. Mm -hmm. Those are the two most popular devices right now on site. Mm -hmm. I think being able to send information to them through a platform that is easy to use, something like ACC with plan grid built in Mm -hmm. is an excellent opportunity to be able to facilitate someone who's a little low low tech, lower experienced, Mm -hmm. but you can take this high tech Revit model and push that into a platform. So you're bridging between something that is requiring an architect or an engineer to something that can be done by a 19-year-old kid right out of high school. Mm-hmm. What's the, the the big challenge that uh, people are, are facing right now that's kind of preventing them from bridging the gap? 
the speed of being able to push their information up to the cloud and being able to do that in an effective way. Mm -hmm. I think being able to part things out so that you're pushing smaller pieces at a time rather than a big, huge model is a big, important step. So as far as using Revit with Collaborate is important yeah. Yeah. and being able to get off-prem <laughs> Go to the cloud. Yeah, it's, it's a big takeaway for sure. <laughs> Have you seen a company that has handled that uh, transition well on the, the change management? I mean, what do they do differently than most companies do? Absolutely. I worked for 11 years with Starline Windows, and their manufacturing is actually highly robotic, uh -huh. mostly automated. So nice. there are very few people at this point working to manipulate materials. They're mm -hmm. mostly machine operators. And that was an opportunity to drive the change that was beneficial to the people on site. Yeah. So because they were already pushing for data to come from the models for their machine codes to be generated, it wasn't a big step to then take that model and hand it off to the construction team. Yeah, interesting. Well, what's a, a misconception that you see that people fall into when they, they are thinking about making it really focus around data uh, in the built environment? Misconception is that an integration should be able to be stood up, quote unquote, out of the box. <laughs> I really feel that that is not realistic to what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Because as much as, yes, there are wonderful web hooks being developed these days and plugins and things like that to help facilitate these integrations, mm -hmm. each company and each organization is unique. So they need to be able to be reasonable about the configuration that'll be required for their own needs. Yeah, oh, walk me through the process that a company should go through when they're thinking through what are their, what are their requirements gonna be? What should they be thinking about when they implement technology? I more than agree with you that companies need to take the time to sit and, and think through that before they, they implement technology and, and even get to the what are we trying to accomplish here and not just throw technology at a, at a problem, but yeah. what, what should they be thinking about when they go through that process? I think a little bit of strategic planning and process mapping is a good first step. Mm -hmm. It's important to not only understand what goals you're trying to achieve, but what is the data that's available as an input to begin the process? What are the not the key reports, I don't want to know what they look like, but what is the key information on those reports mm. that you're trying to capture and output at the end of a process. Mm -hmm. So if you really focus on what is the information that you're trying to pass from point A to point B, rather than what does it look like, then you're going to get a lot further than if you're hung up on, I need the picture on the left. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Why is that so important for the people that are, uh, are really hung up on how it looks and uh, trying to, maybe force the, the data into a certain direction? Why is it important to kind of take a step back and, and think, what are you trying to get out of it? Why are you collecting the data? Well, because software at this point, you're typically not developing your own software. Mm -hmm. So you have to be willing to work with what you're given. So if you're married to a paginated paper report that looks in a certain way, you're going to spend a lot more resources trying to plug in different systems to push for that report. So mm -hmm. using things like 
integrations and API data hooks, mm -hmm. even Power BI. Some companies go so far that they have a full-time team working on making sure that paginated reports can pull data from different sources which is a beautiful thing, but it would be a lot more efficient if they were able to accept that there's a new way of taking the information. You don't necessarily need something to look like an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. No. You can simply go into the app now, and particularly with ACC, we have the issues are right there in the app. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily need to have them printed onto a page, I can just go right in the app and search whatever I need. And mm -hmm. learning to filter things makes it a lot more versatile. Yeah, this may sound like a, an obvious question, but why is it so critical for people to structure all of their processes around data insights and have that as the kind of the, the backbone of their process instead of uh, an afterthought of, oh yeah, we, we did all this, now let's go look at the data. So I think that it's about making sure that you're able to target the most important metrics for your organization. So whether it's a quality that you're targeting or costing issues or budget expenses, mm -hmm. those types of things, mm -hmm. I think you need to have AI working to support you in real time. At this point, humans can't be everywhere and we're taking on more and more every day. There's a point where you're overburdened and you're not able to give everything the attention it deserves. That's where AI comes in. It is a catch-all. Mm -hmm. And then it will catch everything and very quickly point out things that are outliers. And it's the outliers that really need human intervention. So why do we want to spend our day checking boxes to say, this is good, this is fine, this is great? That's a waste of our effort. We need our experts, in especially, to be going out and checking on the things that are not good. Yeah. AI can't tell you what's wrong with something, but it can tell you that it doesn't match the expected result. Mm -hmm. Who should be involved in the data strategy? Ideally, everyone. <laughs> it's great to have multiple perspectives yeah. and to be able to listen to your team, listen to your employees, and empower them with a voice. Mm -hmm. I think that if you're empowering your employees, your organization is going to go a lot further than if you're stifling them. Yeah. But that said, there has to be a clear vision coming from the top that's mm -hmm. being communicated and supported. Mm -hmm. So if everybody's bought into it, how does that... How's that look in, in reality and in practice with, uh, you know, some people might be involved in the data strategy that maybe hasn't been involved with it in the past or uh, maybe not be as, uh, as knowledgeable as certain other people. How do you kind of bring them along, get them bought into it, get them excited about leveraging the data and, and then contributing their voice to it? You know, not everyone's going to care about every part of the data or every part of the process. Mm -hmm. But if you talk to people and find out what does matter to them and help them understand what benefits and value there is for in it for them, mm -hmm. then you're going to get a lot more cooperation than if you try and get them to be excited about somebody else's goal. Yeah, nice. Can moving uh, sort of back to where we started with the manufacturing, what has... Uh, uh, been happening here at, at AU that uh, is a exciting trend for you moving forward with manufacturing. I'm very excited about Forma. Okay, <laughs> I've yeah, been looking <laughs> at it for a little while, yeah. and I'm, I think that it's going to be something that really accelerates a lot more productivity. 
why do you think what's the huh, what's going on in, in Forma that gets you so excited? It's the fact that there's such an open API that's mm -hmm. well documented and easy to interact with. It's made things so much easier for the IT professionals so that I don't have to ask them to do weeks and weeks of work to set things up. They already have a portal for us to access the information. Mm -hmm. And that gives me so much more power to be able to send that information wherever it's needed. Mm -hmm. Do you see it as, as helping to take down some of those silos and maybe bridge other communication gaps uh, across the, the industry spectrum with the stakeholders? I think it helps you to be able to bring all of the information together into not necessarily a single source of truth mm -hmm. is that can be a Maybe tricky as thing. as we can get to right now. <laughs> yeah, but the appearance of a single source of truth, mm -hmm. right? It might be a Frankenstein system, which is what I call when we're stitching together many pieces. Yeah. But I think that's not something to be afraid of. You want the tools in the hands of the people that are going to help support them to do their job in the best way they can. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to ask an engineer to work in Revit. I'm not going to ask an architect to work in Inventor. Right? I'm going to make yeah. sure that they're working in the tool that is best for the role that they need to achieve. Mm -hmm. But I need to be able to bring that information somewhere so that I can send it up to management and let them know where are we on the pipeline, what's mm -hmm. coming down, and how does that look for our f production forecasting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like it. What's uh, shifting to the convergence of, of manufacturing and construction? What's the Maybe one key thing that construction needs to learn from manufacturing. I think it's really about efficiency, doing it right the first time. You know, manufacturing has a lot more agility and a lot more quality assurance mm -hmm. in it in the process so that even if you're coming down the line and you can see something is about to go wrong, you're going to pull that piece of material out of the line. Mm -hmm. Whereas in construction, sometimes it's, you know, let's get this job done today and go home and we'll deal with the deficiency list tomorrow and maybe mm -hmm. order a remake. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, so at, at Autodesk University, the, uh, it's been dubbed the Design and Make Conference this year. What's the state of Design and Make for you? For me, it's really about being able to ensure that everybody is able to input early into the design mm -hmm. so that you are dealing with all of these pieces of information that are coming at you typically late. <laughs> so that helps you to be able to foresee what your options are mm -hmm. so that when that RFI or RFQ, something comes up that changes what you're targeting, right. you know already you have a, a few backup plans available so that everybody knows and has pre-vetted what those options might be. Yeah, it gets to form of being so critical too to be that central source of truth as, as much as possible to have everybody kind of playing in the same environment there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so when I say the phrase modeling the future, what, what comes to mind? I really believe that it comes down to having something that is representative of the truth, but is versatile and something that is essentially a digital twin of not only the building, but mm -hmm. operations. Mm -hmm. You know, there's right now there's FlexSim and factory tracking and all of these different solutions that are meant to help 
you see a digital model of what's happening in real time. As we move forward to modeling in the future, we're going to start to see things like Revit models that are integrated with manufacturing data and that are changing colors so Mm -hmm. that as something is coming down the line, it's coming down yellow. If it hits an issue, you can see it right in the model turning red and everybody's Mm -hmm. on it. Mm -hmm. And as it's being installed and it's being signed off as complete, then it turns green and everyone knows they're good to go. Yeah, that's cool. I like that future. How long do you think it will take to to get to that state? I think that depends on the organization. Some organizations are there already and I've done it already myself. So there is no reason why if that's something that you'd like for your organization, you can't go for it. Yeah, nice. I like that. Uh, So the on Bridging the Gap, we focus a lot on construction innovation. What does innovation mean to you? For me, innovation is certainly a matter of dealing with the reality that's in front of you. There might be something that seems impossible. The software might not be capable of handling it yet. But us humans, we are so creative that we've been able to find ways to make it work. And Mm -hmm. we can use the software as far as it can take us. And we're the ones who take it the rest of the way over the finish line. Yeah. So on the the creativity side of things, I agree. Humans are are much better at machines than that. Uh, You know, one of the arguments with against AI is it's a threat because it's coming for my job. It's going to take over everything. Uh, how do you push back on that to say, no, it, it, it may even unleash your creativity even more to, you know, by taking away the, the mundane things, but how do you push back on that? I push back on it by reminding people that as much as you might feel maybe a little threatened in as far as job security goes, mm-hmm. that it's actually more of an opportunity to be able to scale up your business. Why not push further into what you can do? Allow the computer to do what it's capable of, mm-hmm. and that frees up your personnel not to be fired, but to be moving into something that is more challenging or mm-hmm. doing something at a higher level of operations so that they are managing whether it's the data results from the AI and they're seeing the uh, dashboard that the AI is creating, mm-hmm. they're the ones responding to it. So that's not that hasn't replaced that person, but it has pushed them into a higher level of work. Mm-hmm. And it has allowed that organization to be able to increase their volume, which I would hope is increasing their profits. Yeah. I like it. That's a, it's a good pushback. <laughs> uh, how do people find out more information and connect with you? Uh, I'm available on LinkedIn. So you can find me as Catherine Walmsley, or you can email me at Catherine at WalmsleyTech.com. Awesome. Very cool. Last question for you. If I could give you all construction power, you could snap your fingers and innovate one thing. What would you pick to innovate? I would certainly would like to see more digital twins happening of, Mm. like I mentioned, operations, even buildings and people's learning. It's the same thing. I want to know who knows what. Have they done the training for what? So when I pull up somebody's profile as an organization leader, Mm -hmm. I want to be able to see how far along that journey are they. So I would like to see it represented more visually in software today. So it's a little easier to consume that information rather than trying to manage giant spreadsheets of the information. And getting lost in Excel. That's right. (laughs) I like it. Uh, that's, That's great. Digital Twins has, has come up 
quite a bit in the conversations this week as well too so there's some energy and, and movement behind digital twins it seems yeah. which is awesome Catherine, thanks so much for taking the time and, and joining us thank you and now it's time for my todd takes from this episode first take embrace the collective knowledge of different age groups in your company by encouraging mentorship fostering cross-generational collaboration and promoting respect this can lead to innovative solutions and a more harmonious workforce. Second take, cloud technology is essential for scalability and agility, enabling for dispersed workforce to access resources and data from anywhere. It also offers cost efficiency by eliminating the need for on-prem infrastructure. Final take, involve key stakeholders in your data strategy from the start. Gather their input to tailor solutions to their needs and communicate the strategy's alignment with company goals. This ensures active participation and maximizes the strategy impact. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software Great Tech Group at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining the conversation to model the future on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software, great tech group production. Copyright applied software, great tech group, 2023.